We're on from 1 to 4 every day, 1 to 4. And then you can hear uh, the show uh, on podcast, uh, John and Ken On Demand, on the iHeartRadio app or on the KFI website. Yes, and you can still win money. In about 15 minutes, another keyword will be revealed. Listen closely to the word. John Colbelt repeats it, which is very nice of him. And then I don't have to. No, no, no one tells you to. You Uh, do this because you want to help people win. I also know that people are barely paying attention to this whole thing. So So it comes up around uh, 2.20. Later on this hour, we're going to get a response for the police union for LAPD officers to this idea that, uh, well, should we respond to all traffic accidents, you know, minor ones, with mental health uh, people? No cops with guns. And, of course, this comes out of the death of a man who happened to be the cousin of the co-founder of Black Lives Matter when uh, he was acting incredibly bizarrely and erratically, and police just tried to restrain him, and uh, that didn't go well, so they had to tase him. And he died later at a hospital. So this is the road we go down. We'll talk about it coming up after the news at 2.30. Here on the John and Ken show. All right. Here, here are the uh, the steps to uh, oblivion. Hmm. California passes a law mandating only electric cars can be sold by 2035. New cars, yes. New cars. Virginia copies that law. As soon as California pulls that trigger, then that trigger is pulled in Virginia as well. This is hmm. what the Democrats there did. So now the people in Virginia are subject to the whims of the California legislature. So Virginia automatically has the same law we do regarding mandated uh, electric car sales. The new governor, Republican Glenn Youngkin, actually he's been in office for a year now, said we've got to repeal this. The Democratic Senate refuses to. Yeah, this was done when we had the former Democratic governor, Ralph Northam. Wasn't he the one with the KKK outfit or whatever? The blackface guy. The blackface guy, that's yeah, what it was. Okay, that genius. Uh, he was governor when this passed. So Republicans, along with the Republican governor, are trying to undo these uh, acts. So, so, so now the Virginia, the Virginia people are on the road to forced electric car sales because of what was decided by California legislators, whom none of the Virginia citizens voted for. No, they guess they like the idea. We like to copy California. At least the Democrats did in Virginia. Yeah, now it looks like they beat back an effort to uh, strip away those laws. Uh, Virginia Senate Democrats defeated several Republican efforts to repeal the clean cars law. Uh, we're going to talk about it now with the vice president of communications for the Western States Petroleum Association. That's Kevin Slagle. Kevin, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? All right. We're, we're, we're good. Uh, it, is it even constitutional? to force citizens to live under the laws that started in another state with another state's representatives? Well, each of these states, and it wasn't just Virginia, there's 16 other states. There's 17 states in total that represent about 35% of the car sales um, in this country that, that follow California's laws automatically. So um, it, it's each the, the legislatures in those states decided to follow California's regulators, not even necessarily our legislators, the folks we vote for. This is a regulatory policy um, that was put into place, and those 17 states follow along whether they like it or not, or if the governor changes like you've seen you know, in Virginia uh, this year. But, I mean, is that constitutional to tie well, the lives it, it, of, it, of Virginians to whatever a California bureaucrat decides? 
Well, if I was in Virginia or Nevada or Oregon or Washington or any of these states uh, where, where this applies, it sure wouldn't feel that way. But because each leg- legislature voted to accept California's laws, it is. Now, the problem is this might have been done 10 years ago, five years ago, well before some of these tougher regulations that California is moving forward, these bans and mandates have taken place. So, so now if you're in one of these states, you may have done something, you know, nobody's paying attention 10 years ago, but now all of a sudden – in three years, you're not going to be able to buy an EV. Uh, you're, gonna be, you're not going to be able to buy uh, the car you want. You're going to have to buy an EV. And, and I think that's what a lot of folks across the country are waking up to. And, and even Californians are beginning to understand the bans here. I mean, for example, in two years, you're not going to be able to buy, or next year, you're not going to be able to buy a power saw or a generator, things that helped us get through these storms we had the last couple of weeks. And, and most but folks we, don't we can't understand buy, that. We, we can't buy an electric generator? Why, because it's gas-powered? Because it's gas-powered in 2024. Uh, power saws, power equipment like that, power and saws? generators will be banned by by regulatory power of the California Air Resources Board and Governor but, Newsom. But people need generators when the electricity goes out. Yes, we do, and, and especially because electricity goes out a lot when we have the storms like we had or sometimes over the summer when it gets a little too warm and our grid can't take it. So these are the things that happen uh, that most folks don't have time to pay attention to, but then all of a sudden there's a huge burden. And this is just the beginning. And I, and I think that's one of the things we'll start seeing this year as we get closer to 2026 and some of these 2024 where the power tool uh, equipment uh, bans take place. People are going to start realizing what has been happening in Sacramento, what regulators, the legislature, and this governor have been doing to everyday citizens. And it's it's not just costly. It's going to change the way we live. Well, I don't know. Explain something again. How come these states that you mentioned have to follow what California does on on its emissions? Is it or? Yeah, it's on two things. It's either their electric vehicle policy or their low emission vehicle policy. So, like hybrid vehicles or whatever, they don't have to. They chose to, and they chose to. You know, again, some of them chose to do this five, six, seven years ago. Some states came along a little bit later, but you know, if you look, they they generally have you know one party in control of the legislature at that time and a governor that would sign that bill. And so as, as politics change and people become aware of things, all of a sudden, you know, Virginia woke up and are committed to an EV mandate that was probably set back in place four or five or six years ago when nobody was paying attention. Yeah, that's that's the key to uh, sneak these in when uh, there's no publicity surrounding them or it's not a hot issue of the moment. What What is going to happen, like specifically here in California? You, you, you know the, the wall that we're driving into. Yeah. We don't have an electrical grid to handle this, not even close, and we're not going to get one anytime soon. We don't have electric charging stations. Uh, how how are they going to force dealers to sell cars that people either don't want or can't use? Well, that's part of the problem. There is no plan, but our best guess and what economists are telling us is the way they're going to force people in the EVs is to make internal combustion engine cars even more expensive. Oh, uh, how perhaps- are they going to do that? They could, uh, we could have vehicle mile travel uh, taxes on on internal combustion engine cars that may not be on EVs. We could have, uh, you know, the the dealers may be fined or, you know, have penalties that they face that forces them to raise the car, the cost of internal combustion engines so that more people will be driven towards EVs. There's a lot of possibilities here and none of them are good for consumers and there are no answers. And you're right. Not only do we have that huge expensive problem, we have to, you know, we need three times electricity we have currently in California. We have to build solar and renewable energy at five times 
the pace that we have well, over the last 10 okay. years. We know they're so, not going to do that because they still yeah. haven't, they've been working on high-speed rail for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. So we know yeah. none of that's going to happen. Then what? what? I mean, what is life going to be like when you don't have electricity to a power a car that you were forced to buy? It's going to be uh, a frustrating life and one that's probably going to create a little bit of political uh, turmoil. Yeah, and, and I think that's what we're, again, we're going to see as we, as we start moving closer and closer to these bans and mandates, people are understanding what, what this, you know, our current government has done and the places they've put us in. So it's either going to be extremely frustrating, costly, and, you know, some, sometimes dangerous, or they're going to have to back off of all these standards and, and, and relook at what they've really done. And, and hopefully what will happen, I mean, we, there is an opportunity to sort of pause and say, okay, look, these were unrealistic goals. These were very political goals. They sounded good. They were never attainable. So maybe we shouldn't put California through this, and maybe let's step this back and, and, and slow the pace of this energy evolution. But right now, that's not the way this legislature, that's not the way this governor is behaving. They're moving faster forward. Uh, they're going too soon. It's going to be too costly. And, and we're beginning, again, to sort of feel what that's like. And you know, I feel like I'm going to buy an extra car just yeah, to hold on to it. To. Right. I'll just I'll just drive my current car for ten years and then uh, then uh, go to the backup. Well, that's my plan. <laughs> I think it's, there's gonna be a time where it's gonna be difficult to find the vehicle that you need. So, you know, when the time is right and the cost is right, get it now. And then then let's just hope that the that the state government doesn't then make fuel so expensive uh, to to also try to be handy. I just don't want I don't want to I don't want to live like this. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't want these in, incredibly difficult days of. You know, no electricity being available and not being able to travel what I want. I mean, I, 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 nobody wants that life. No, and I, I think that's what's really important here. You know, sometimes even our own industry does it. We talk big numbers and economic impacts and jobs and, and those things that are important. But what you're saying is really what the issue is going to be. All of our lives are going to be impacted in some way by these regulations, some in very severe ways. I mean, if you live in an urban setting and you live in an apartment complex, where are you going to charge this car? How is that going to work? If you live in a rural area part of the state, there's some, there are some counties in the state with one or two fast chargers. Otherwise, it's what you might have at home or what you can find. It oh, takes a long, oh. long time to charge a car. So, oh, yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the public chargers are slow chargers that, that yes. take hours. Yes. I mean, yeah, you might plug in for 30 minutes and get, you know, another 15, 20 or 30 miles, depending on the type of charger you're at. So, so this is what we're facing. And, you know, I think this is what's important is that our, the way we live is going to be changed unless, you know, Californians sort of speak up and say, look, hold on. We don't want to live this way. There's a better way of doing it, which there are better ways of doing it, but we're not on that path. Our governor does not have us on that path. All right, Kevin, thank you very much for coming on today. Yeah, you bet. All right, Kevin Slagle is the Vice President of Communications, Western States Petroleum Association, talking about what's going on in Virginia, which may sound weird, but Virginia, well, they decided under the previous Democrat governor to follow California by forcing people not to buy gas-powered new cars and to buy electric vehicles in the future. And it looks like the Senate Republicans, because the, the governor is now a Republican, tried to overturn that and failed in their first effort. More coming up. John and Ken KFI. Oh, the keyword, right. Johnny Ken KFI AM640 live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. All right, of course, a big story this morning nationally was that New Mexico prosecutors did finally announce that they are charging several people in the case of the shooting death of a cinematographer named Helena Hutchins on the set of a movie called Rust in New Mexico. This actually occurred in October 
of 2021. So if it seems like an old story, it is kind of an old story. And Alec Baldwin is one of those being charged. Of course, Baldwin was handed a gun. They were rehearsing a scene. This woman was kind of standing behind or next to the camera. Helena Hutchins, a cinematographer. And he fired the gun and she was hit and she died. Also, another person on the set was injured in the case. They are also charging the weapons handler on the set, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, with involuntary manslaughter. The charges are punishable by up to 18 months in jail, $5,000 fine, but the jury could consider an additional firearm enhancement to the charges, which could make it a five-year sentence if they go for that. The third person involved in this was the assistant director, David Halls, who reached a plea deal. He accepted a misdemeanor charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon, so he was not involved in today's announcement by the New Mexico DA uh, in this district, uh, Mary Carmack Altwies. He's the one. It. He's the one who uh, took the gun from Reed. Reed loaded the gun. Halls carried the gun and gave it to Baldwin, who then fired the gun and uh, killed Elena Hutchins. Dan, I believe, I think Baldwin did ask if the gun was hot or something like that and was told no. He, yeah, because, well, Hall's job is to say cold gun. Cold gun. That's what, that's what you say. The, uh, the, I heard um, uh, um, a guy in this business, in the movie business, in an interview, who said that it is impossible for a gun like this to go off by itself. What he said is you have to take two actions. You have to cock the gun. You have to like pull the lever back and cock it and right. then press the trigger. And without taking those two actions, it's impossible for the gun to go off. Now, the gun could have been cocked when it was handed to him, but he still had to press the trigger. And Baldwin, who's kind of a dope, went on uh, with George <laughs> Stephanopoulos some months ago and claimed he didn't pull the trigger. It's simply not possible according to people who work in, in this business and according to the FBI. It, yeah, the, it just, the, it's impossible for it to go off by himself. The DA did an interview on CNN after announcing these charges. She said, yes, Baldwin did pull the trigger, and they ran a fast and loose set plagued with safety issues. There was such a lack of safety and safety standards on that set there were live rounds on set. They were mixed in with dummy rounds. Nobody was checking those, or at least they weren't checking them consistently. They somehow got loaded into a gun, handed off to Alec Baldwin. He didn't check it. He didn't do what he was supposed to do to make sure it was safe or make sure anyone else was safe. And he pointed the gun at Helena Hutchins and he pulled the trigger. So I, I he probably thought it was empty and just thought that'd be funny to do. Look at me. Right? I, there was no reason for him to pull the trigger because where they were in the script didn't require the trigger be pulled. And of no, course, it's probably just his way of being funny. I mean, because it was a real, it was like an old gun, right? Some kind of a yeah. Because they were doing a western, so yeah, something they from wanted something that looked authentic. The eighteen hundreds. If he thinks he's going to lie his way out of this with a jury, that's not going to happen. The, his only hope is they find him to be such a charming. Oh yeah, because he's celebrity. charming, yeah. right? Right. I mean, but that, that's it. That the facts of the case. He's kind of a powder keg. He's not exactly charming. Uh, I don't think people find him charming. I mean, he can be, but uh, you know, when he's hosting something like the Match Game, but you know, he's had. Didn't he have like a talk show briefly on one of the uh, cable networks? That yeah, he's had a couple of them. I think he's a fired up wokester with all sorts of opinions. So yeah, 
Maybe you'll find a juror, though. That well, uh, he's big. He's big on woke left wing politics. So you get a couple of those people on the jury, right. or you know, maybe a, a couple of women who are smitten by his celebrity and good looks. Yeah, she said that. Well, this may have been an accident. That doesn't let you off the hook. And it happened because of a lot of negligence. And of course, as Hannah Gutierrez Reed, we've talked about back when this was a story. She was new to this business. I guess her father was in this business too. Yeah, uh, he was one of the best in the business, and uh, but this was only her second movie. What so they she called him the armorer for these for the, the armorer, yeah. So and, she screwed uh, up. Yeah, remember the reports that people were just shooting the guns off during uh, breaks in in the yeah. movie filming, just kind of having fun with them. And and guns had accidentally just discharged twice, and uh, uh, there was a, there was a revolt by some of the uh, crew members that that walked off. The set. Yeah, they, they didn't think it was safe, right? Yeah, and he's the producer, so ultimately he's responsible for all that. And he got so many warnings from the crew that this is an unsafe set and still ignored it and ended up uh, shooting Helena Hutchins to death. So he's he's got an impossible case. He's that's going to have to rely on his celebrity to get him out of this. And he is his defense is going to be that it was the armorer that was supposed to make everything safe, not me. Because I was so. I was listening to cable news today, and Brian K- Claypool and Mark Garagos, both we've had on the show many times, oh, wow. yeah. bo- both said that based on the facts of the case, Baldwin's out of luck. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he'll reach a plea deal there or something. That's what Claypool said. Is like he ought to go for a, for a plea deal, which is what David Halls did, and he got uh, a six month suspended sentence. Uh, yeah. So that's. Uh, but if he's going to fight it tooth and nail and continue to lie that he didn't pull the trigger and get the jury worked up, he could get the five years instead of just the eighteen months. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that's really a, a good idea. By the way, they're hoping to resume filming. Oh, you want to hear something weird? They they made they made a civil settlement with uh, the Hutchins family. They did, yes. And and Hutchins's husband has been given a piece of the action on the movie. He's officially listed as an executive producer now, and is going to participate in the the profits or the or the revenue that comes oh, in. Yeah. Well. So. All right. Well. <laughs> only, only in Hollywood. Yeah, really. I, it's an interesting way of procuring her memory. But, I know. Uh, I, I know we killed your wife, but you want a percentage here to. All right, we got more coming up. Uh, Next, we're going to be talking to the uh, union for LAPD officers, uh, the LA Police Protective League, about uh, this uh, tragedy that occurred recently when LAPD officers were responding to a minor traffic collision and there was a man acting really erratically and uh, he could not be controlled. And so finally they tasered him and he died later at the hospital. Well, it turns out he's the cousin of the co-founder of Black Lives Matter and that has raised this... A bar significantly, and we'll talk about all this coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. We're on from 1 till 4. You can listen to the podcast right after 4 o'clock at the iHeartRadio app or the KFI website. Uh, the number is 4. That's how many people guessed uh, the breaking news this hour. David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, has died at the age of 81. Four is the number of people that correctly predicted that in Ghoulpool. 2023 i remember talking on the radio back in 1994 about the liver transplant that he was going to get because he had had a life of uh, self-abuse i guess you could call it heroin cocaine um <laughs> drink, you know, paid drink for, i didn't know it was paid for by phil collins i didn't remember that well you can you can go to a liver store and <laughs> pick one out phil collins you know he had good credit and uh 
bought one for Crosby and got a doctor to put it in. Um, anyway. Phil, would you uh, go down and buy me a liver? So, sadly, uh, the baby boomer entertainers, uh, one by one, uh, seem to be fading away. Uh, again, uh, uh, Stephen Crosby, 81, has died. Let's turn our attention to one of the stories we've talked about several times this week, and that was the death of a man who happened to be the cousin of the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Uh, LAPD was called to the scene of a traffic accident. It was considered a, a minor one, I guess. And one of the people involved, um, well, it was acting bizarrely, erratically, I guess is the word. And um, he did not uh, seem to be complying. So eventually a taser was used. His yes. name's Keenan Anderson. It was actually the third person uh, who was shot uh, by LAPD and in just the last few weeks. And so this has riled up the usual Well, he wasn't groups. shot. He was tased. Well, he was tased, right, but they, yeah, they you're, died. Yeah, you use the word shot. That implies well, a gun. I wanted right. to be clear on that. Or shot by a taser, yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, all three died. And so the usual suspects are uh, yelping and screaming in order to raise... Uh, Oh, there were three people who got tased that died. Is no, that what no, you're no, saying? no, no, no. Two, two other uh, shootings of Takar. Sh- actual shootings actual of guns. Shooting. Okay, yes. yeah, I got yes. confused by the way you were describing. No, no, no. It was two shootings and a taser. All three okay. dead at the hands of the LAPD. But now there's all this discussion about if it's a traffic accident, why can't we send mental health people there rather than armed police officers? And you know the whole thing. But anyway. uh, let, let's get Jamie McBride on with the Los Angeles Police Protective League. Jamie, how are you? John Ken, how you doing? Thanks for having me again. All right. Sure. Uh, well, you guys wanted to respond to all this. Well, there's this the idea that mental health units should be called to deal with these incidents. Well, first of all, I, I just want to start off by saying any loss of life is tragic. But now let's talk about this incident here with this uh, Mr. Anderson, if you will. Um, you know, there's Mark, you know, City Council Member Marquis Harris Dawson and Black Lives Matter did a press conference. And uh, quite frankly, a lot of stuff they had going on in this press conference were false narratives. Um, and, and actually, some of the stuff they said was actually just reckless. They want, um, you know, Marquise um, Harris Dawson, he wants unarmed people to do traffic stops. And then he doesn't want armed police officers going to traffic collisions, like minor traffic collisions. Now, in my 32 years experience with LAPD, um, I can tell you there's been time and time again where there's been a a suspect involved in a violent crime, like a murder or a robbery. And as they're driving fast to flee from that location, they go through red lights, they go through stop signs, and some of them get involved in accidents. Now, can you imagine, you know, law enforcement unaware of that uh, violent crime that occurred, and you got an unarmed person now who's tasked with uh, doing these traffic stops and traffic enforcement, walking up on a car of somebody who just committed a murder or a robbery. How do you think that's going to end for that individual walking up with this unarmed? Not, not very well. And then the same thing applies for the traffic accidents. I mean, I, I know people, there's 210-plus officers on our wall downstairs have been killed in the line of duty. And then some of those uh, uh, officers that were killed in line of duty were on traffic stops and also, you know, involved in uh, just walking up on the car. And they get shot or seriously injured or killed. So I think, I think that's some reckless uh, statements that, you know, uh, Harris Dawson was saying and BLM was saying. Um, but we got to remember a couple of things that happened out of this incident here. They're blaming the officer. Well, the officer wasn't the one that was high on cocaine. The officer wasn't the one that got into a car accident and and tried to flee on foot. The officer wasn't the one that tried to carjack an innocent bystander's car. That was Mr. Anderson. 
Um, you know, everything the officers did was a reaction to his actions. Um, in fact, the motor officer did a great job. He, he tried to de-escalate the situation for over 10 minutes. Um, the, the suspect wouldn't comply with anything. So at one point, the, you know, he's, he's wrestling with the officers. They had to use a taser. And the taser was deployed exactly how it's supposed to be deployed. Now, these same individuals who the small group of individuals uh, like the Harris Dawson and the Black Lives Matter, you know, the small group that bangs the loudest drum, if you will, they always say the same thing. Let's say there's an officer involved shooting. What's the first thing they say? Why couldn't they use a taser? Why couldn't they use a beanbag? Why couldn't they use pepper spray? Well, then when we do use a taser, and by the way, that individual died four hours later. It didn't happen right then and there. Um, now they complain that, oh, we don't want tasers being used. I mean, it's just, it's, it's something has to change. Just hit him with a pillow. What, uh, you, you do know, have a mental just, evaluation unit. What are they supposed to do? What do they respond to? Okay, so we have MEU, which is called Mental Evaluation Unit. And that's like a division, if you will. And then out of there, you have the smart cars. And those are the officers that respond with, with uh, civilian personnel who, who are trained to deal with met, people with mental illnesses. Now, you got to remember, the city council just last year uh, voted to, for this program to have these smart units respond to these incidents. And one of those individuals was council member Marquise Harris Dawson. Unfortunately, they don't realize or don't know what they voted for, because in that uh, program, it says they are not first responders. They are second responders. So the primary responder is still the officer in the black and white. They have to render the situation safe before these uh, smart teams can, can come on to the, uh, um, the call. So in all three incidents that happened, Mr. Anderson and the other uh, incidents, um, they, none of those incidents were rendered safe. Now, just the other day, we had six smart teams um, for the whole entire city of Los Angeles. And, I don't, and this is, goes from uh, San Pedro and Harbor area all the way to the furthest northwest uh, area, which is uh, the border of Simi Valley for our city. Now, you, everybody knows how big Los Angeles is. And now you have six units for that entire city. Now, you can call uh, one of these smart units, but anybody that lives and works in Los Angeles knows that you can be 10 miles away, and that's going to take over an hour on these freeways. Nothing happens fast in Los Angeles when the freeways are involved. So all, all these false narratives and finger-pointing, the bottom line is, who do you point the finger at? You point the finger at the uh, Mr. Anderson's family. Where were they when he was out there using cocaine? Where was he when he needed help for, for drug abuse? Where are they? They're nowhere. Now that there might be an L.A. lottery involved where they can win some money uh, for a lawsuit or a settlement, they come out of the woodworks. And, and you know what? I, I'm getting disgusted with it. And this, this whole council member, Marquise Harris-Dawson, I think he deserves, uh, the officer involved deserves, deserves an apology from him. And I want him to write an accommodation for that officer on how he performed uh, during his duty during that call. And the family and uh, Harris-Dawson and Black Lives Matter is asking for a full release of that body camera. And we welcome it because the only reason why it was edited down uh, by seven minutes is because uh, seven of those minutes are from when that 10 minutes, the officer is trying to uh, talk him down. So, but you know what? We're all for it. Release the footage. The officers did everything right. If Keenan Anderson was using drugs, could that have contributed to problems with being tased? Yes. You know, when you use drugs, something like a methamphetamine, something like a cocaine, um, these aren't rational people, and they don't respond like a rational person would respond when you're tased. Um, I, I'm pretty confident when the coroner's uh, results come back, um, it's not going to be any, any alarm or any surprise that he's probably going to have very, very high levels of cocaine on him. Because just watching the video from my 32 years' experience, 
uh, that guy was whacked out on his mind. And, uh, you know, no matter how much we talked to that guy, no matter what we did, he was on his own program that day. But should police officers, knowing that he probably was on some sort of drugs, maybe avoided the taser just because that could complicate things? Well, you know what? Sometimes tasers do work. You know, that's the one thing. When you're on drugs, you just don't know what's going to work. Um, I've seen some officers use a beanbag. That didn't work, but a taser did. And I saw just the opposite happen on people with drugs. Every individual that's on drugs acts a little bit different than the one before and the one after. So it's just, you know, you just don't know. All right, Jamie, we got to go, but we appreciate you coming on and giving the point of view from LAPD's uh, union. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on again, and uh, thanks for your support. All right, Jamie McBride, Los Angeles Police Protective League. Their response to what happened recently when LAPD came upon a traffic collision and a man by the name of Keenan Anderson, who apparently was on drugs, acted erratically, and they ended up using a taser, and he died hours later in the hospital, but because he's the cousin of the co-founder of Black Lives Matter, it's become a much bigger story, it's, obviously. It's for fundraising. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio. All right, you can pick up the show if you miss it live. We're on from 1 to 4 now. The podcast will be posted shortly after we finish at 4, and listen anytime you want. The iHeartRadio app or KFIAM640.com. Mail-in ballots we'll be talking about after 3 o'clock. California really loves them. We've gone all mail-in voting, if you want. You can still show up in person, as you know. Uh, we're going to be talking about it after uh, 3 o'clock with PILF. Have you ever heard of PILF, John? PILF. No. <laughs> Public Interest Legal Foundation. They've released a report. Uh, the headlines are that uh, there are a massive number of ballots that were never accounted for that were mailed out, and there were over 226,000 ballots rejected by election officials during the 2022 primary and general elections. So we'll get into this. 10.8 million mail-in ballots are unaccounted for uh, in the 2022 elections. That would be both the the primary and the general election. It's the people who threw them out? People threw them out, or there's somebody that's dead or not registered anymore, and they ended up at the wrong home, and those people threw it out. Or There's a bunch of reasons, but PILF will know more. Uh, we'll be talking right. to Jay Christian Adams with PILF, the president, after the news at 3 o'clock. Uh, another update has come along concerning the horrible, horrible murder of Deputy Darnell Calhoun out in Riverside County. He was shot to death a week ago, almost, last Friday, when he was uh, going on a domestic violence call in an unincorporated area of Lake Elsinore called Lakeland Village. And when he got there, it wasn't long before he was shot. Jesse Navarro was the man that they believe shot him and shot him right from inside the house. He killed Deputy Calhoun. Police officers eventually shot Navarro, who is still in critical condition. So you've been hearing Steve Gregory report has not officially been charged in the murder of Deputy Calhoun. But a new development we have is that apparently his wife was seeking a protection against him he's described in court documents as a violent meth addict who was once ordered to turn in his gun does any of this surprise you now that he's murdered a police officer well because that's that there's there's a connection who do we have on yesterday oh it was chad bianco the riverside sheriff Sheriff, he said almost a hundred percent of the time that when you have somebody behaving erratically uh and getting violent almost a hundred percent of the time it's drugs or alcohol that's why they're acting that way. 
you know, there are there are bad guys all the time, but they're rational bad guys. There's a difference. Yes. You know, a guy who calmly goes into a bank and points a gun and says, give me all the money, and then he leaves. And then there's a guy like Navarro who, for no reason at all, starts blasting away and kills a cop who was investigating uh, the fight he was having with, the, with his wife. Yeah, because it was a child custody issue. That's a really wild way to react. The oh, cop doesn't even come to the door and you shoot him dead. Uh, she requested a temporary restraining order. It's a while ago, 2004. It listed four children living at their home in Wildemar. A five-year-old, a four-year-old, 17-month-old, and a four-month-old. Wow. That's a couple of kids close together, All 17 right. months and four months. That's 19 wow. years ago. Then she w looked for another restraining order in 2021. And yes. here's what he, she wrote. Uh, he has an addiction to meth and gets verbally abusive, loud, aggressive, and intimidating. She said back in 04, he would pull my hair and wrestle me in bed. He told me I will pay for it trying to get a restraining order. And also claimed he did point a gun at her, threatened to do something to the family. And they were still together 17 years later? Or maybe he was just visiting. I have a feeling. I don't know. We don't know. Uh, uh, that, in, that was his residence or what? In 2021, she wrote that he got upset when she wouldn't let him drive the kids to school when he was high or hadn't slept in days. He got upset, took my wedding ring off, and smashed it with a tool. Oh. And, and then the judge denied her request for a temporary restraining order. Citing a lack of proof, what, the smashed ring wasn't good enough? Or? Yeah, good judge. Uh, neither husband but, nor wife idiot. showed up for a hearing on a permanent restraining order. But, you know, um, and this, this is what pisses me. And this is why you feel bad for the cops. They have to show up at these events because somebody calls 911, well, right? This is, this why is what happens, can happen to them. The people from the Black Lives Matter scam, it pisses me off, complaining that Keenan Anderson got tased. Keenan Anderson was on drugs. Maybe, maybe something in addition to the cocaine, since he was acting erratically. I suspect meth. Usually when, when you're, you're acting erratically and crazy and um, he was speaking gibberish incoherently, yeah. those are symptoms of meth. But we don't have the narcotics report back yet to confirm that. But here's the choices. You, 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 you tackle the guy, you tase the guy, or you shoot the guy. You got to do something because look what can they can do when they're armed and they're on the loose. They'll murder you. This cop was murdered.